You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to, well, kind of, kind of Packernet. Kind of Packernet after dark. Doesn't matter. Um... What I decided to do for a couple different reasons is to do another Packernet After Dark for the morning episode uh, that will provide the, the content for the show today. A um, couple reasons why. Number one, we're very far behind on the calls and a bunch more are coming in and I want to make sure that those keep piling in. So please keep sending those in. Um, in addition, some of the stuff I want to do for the podcast is a little bit more project intensive. So I want to give myself a little bit more time to be able to work on that. So... That's what we're doing today. As always, uh, if you'd like to call in to the show to be a part of it, usually Packernet After Dark, it's the late night show, 608-501-0718. Give a call, leave a message, and we'll talk about it. But uh, let's start off with Jersey Mike. Hey, Pack Daddy, it's Jersey Mike. Hey, uh, just going to give you a heads up. Get your bleep button ready or oh, throw geez. an explicit tag on, on the podcast if you're going to play this. All right. Because uh, I'm... Pissed. All right. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Lafleur. I'm sick and tired of the games. This is this is really how we're gonna start, dude. It is. I I post these at four in the morning. Four in the morning. Well, I, I mean, hey, it's like a it's like a real rich, dark roast cup of coffee. Some Jersey Mike rants. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. How can you, as an NFL coach, let a f***ing damn drama queen run a franchise into the ground? It's the two of them. It's a combination of the two. If I'm Brian Gutekunst, just sack them both. At this point, unless unless Matt LaFleur is going to man up and do his f***ing job, I'm, I'm sick and tired of you, right? Let's, let's give it a little bit of background. My profession, I'm an industrial maintenance technician slash engineer. Okay. So my job is to work on extremely heavy equipment and maintain it, repair it, and improve it, right? And guess what? I'm responsible for people's lives, okay? And when it comes down to every single decision that I make, I have to understand that people's lives are in my hand and I have to make the right decisions at all times. And it is my responsibility. It is my accountability. If I screw something up, it's on me. The fact that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers can't damn take the blame and place it where it's, where it's actually at, it, it, there's no question. It's Aaron Rodgers not making proper throws. There's no question. It's Aaron Rodgers throwing balls into the dirt. It's no question that Aaron Rodgers is completely missing on reads. I'm, I'm done with these fucking games. Somebody needs to fucking take accountability, stand up to Karen Rogers, and say, dude, I'm, I'm done with you. I'm sick of all your shit. You're the reason that this team is careening off a cliff. Your fucking attitude and your lack of accountability is rubbing off on the whole entire fucking team, and this is a cancerous bullshit that is, that, that, that's, that's its way into our locker room, and it's the reason that we can't win any meaningful games. So, 
That's it. That's it. There's, there's, there's nothing that can be done. There's nothing that can be said. The only thing that there is to do is get rid of f***ing Aaron Rodgers whatever way f***ing possible, and that's it. End of story. And if anybody wants to get mad at me or, or play another game, I, 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 don't, I don't know. But if I were doing this in my job and I was costing people their jobs and their lives, guess what? I'd be fired instantly. That's exactly how I f***ing feel Aaron Rodgers needs to be treated. And Matt LaFleur definitely needs to be on the hot seat. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably just going along with how you feel. But <laughs> anyway, uh, go pack, go. Hope GM Brian fixes this. Uh, believe it or not, he called right back. So <laughs> let's let's just let's just keep the train rolling here. Uh, it's Jersey Mike again. Hey, Actually, man. I, I, I want to revisit what I just said. You know what, Aaron Rodgers, you need to do the right thing. So, but the only way that I personally think that Aaron Rodgers can actually take accountability for his horrific, horrific playing is by one thing, going to the Packers and saying, I want to re-sign my contract. I don't want, I, I want to waive the guaranteed money. I want to pay you guys back for last season. Uh, if, if he's going to be accountable at all whatsoever, nuke your salary cap hit. Like, just, just do that. You, you want to play another year? You're going to give back to the team so that I can pay, pay my players. That, that's how this is going to work. There is no room for Aaron Rodgers on the Packers team until he takes actual accountability for his actions. If he doesn't do that, if he's not going to do that, bye, goodbye, I'm done with you. I'd rather see what Jordan Love has. I, I'd rather be a bad football team for a year or two and, and get Jordan Love on the right path and, and get him some you know, actual starting reps and and, and going to go. But Aaron Rodgers does not deserve a damn thing from any of us. And the fact that anybody is out here defending Aaron Rodgers, I spit on you because Oof. you're freaking stupid. You have no idea what you're looking at, and the only thing you care about is, oh, Aaron Rodgers is great. He's not great. He's garbage. He's garbage, and I swear to God, if you actually knew what you were looking at when you watched tape, you'd say the same exact thing. No, you love riding the CC train for Aaron Rodgers. Anyway, go back, go. Oh, um... <laughs> Um, hmm, I don't know, <laughs> probably just shouldn't add anything to that, um, I, 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 I will say I disagree with spitting on, uh, the Pro Rogers crowd, otherwise, I, I went on a, a pretty hefty rant to end last night, so I'll let you take this morning. And I'll just leave it as it is. Uh, I got to take uh, about forty-five minutes to go bleep all that out. But um, when we come back, Jake from Escanaba has something to say. All right, I think I got all of them. I'm not positive. By the way, getting pretty good at picking out the F word just by looking at the, uh, you know, the audio file and whatnot. It's not a perfect science, but at the very least, when he says it, I can look at him and be like, "That's the word right there." Boom. Otherwise, there's a lot of words that look kind of similar to it. Like, actually, looks a lot like it. And is kind of close. Anyways, Jake, get me out of here, man. Save me. Hey, Ryan, this is Jake in Escanaba. Hey, Escanaba in yeah, the moonlight. I was listening to you talk about Lafleur and how he just won't hold Rogers accountable. Yeah. I'm with you. It's beyond bizarre. Right. Like, can you imagine being head coach of an NFL team and being scared 
but one of your players. I mean, it, it, it's nuts. And frankly, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's tearing the team apart. I really do. Could you imagine, for instance, say you're a salesperson, and you got a guy, he's worked there 20 years, he used to be the best. Past five years or so, he's not that good. But your boss still treats him like he's so awesome. He doesn't have to go to sales meetings. He doesn't need to be coached on anything. But he's not putting up those numbers. How is everyone else on the sales team going to feel? So, yeah. And Imagine if he got all the sales bonuses <laughs> and he wasn't even doing that good anymore. I don't know. I don't think NFL players are much different, frankly. They're people just like anyone else. And I don't, I don't know what to do either. Should LeFleur go? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe no, I don't know. he should. Um, the question is, who, who's going to take that role? Right. And that, and that's the hard part. Everybody has flaws. You go out and fix this issue, and they're not going to have the strengths that Aaron Rodgers had. And then it's going to be, man, you know, we we are strength that uh, Matt Lafleur had. And it's going to be, you know, we we went out and got this culture guy, and now we don't have a, a good play caller. We don't have someone that's putting together good game plans, you know, the they're making stupid decisions and the scheme is stupid. You know what? There's always going to be something. So it's kind of it's kind of a matter of if you really like the guy, you got to be willing to put up with some negative things. It's just a question of is this catastrophic? Is this something that this person can't fix by themselves? selves and uh the team cannot win with this situation if that's the case you don't have a choice but to move on um so hopefully that's not the situation i don't know um maybe someone who has a backbone can yell at players who's not afraid of someone who's like the 20th ranked quarterback in the league at this point i'm with you man i don't know i just think that this team right now is going to be in complete disarray. Maybe not now, but it's going to be in disarray if you keep doing what we're doing. So, all right, man. Um, keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to keep listening. Go back. Go. Bye now. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm trying not to, everybody's mad at me for talking about quarterback, but it's like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> I guess I could just play the calls and then say, I have no opinion on this which is great if you have a podcast. Like, I don't know. I don't have any opinions. Here's something. Let me read the news to you. Um, That's it, though. I got nothing to add. I don't have opinions. Yeah, just looking over, I got SIS up because I was working on some other stuff, and since everybody's talking about Rodgers, I know PFF had him. I forget where he was. I know it was outside of the top 10. I don't think it was very far outside, though. They have him 14th right now. He's continuing to drop thanks to guys like Daniel Jones and Brock Purdy doing well in the playoffs. (laughs) Um, but there are other metrics too. I, I was just looking at his, uh, EPA, uh, points added stuff and they actually have Aaron Rodgers ranked do, 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 do. Where was he? I just lost him. Where did he, I thought it was 18th. Oh no. 24th out of 30 quarterbacks. And again, this is, this is basically a statistic. It's looking at your estimated points. In other words, based on your field position, first and 10 from the 30-yard line, this is how much statistically we think you're, you're going to score on this drive, you know, uh, two points or something. And then if you have a 40-yard pass, now suddenly you're expected to get six points or something, you know? I'm making this up. But then you look at that leap from two to six, and you had a four points added thing. So it's, it's based on statistics. So this is EPA, and actually there were only 10 quarterbacks that had a positive EPA which means when you 
um, you you did more good than bad, and that would be Dak Prescott, and from from worst to best, Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Jimmy Garoppolo, Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen, Jared Goff, Tua Tungavailoa, and then Pat Mahomes is number one. Um, Aaron Rodgers had a negative fifty one point seven three EPA. The only quarterbacks that graded out worse were Mac Jones, Baker Mayfield, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, Davis Mills, and Justin Fields. That's it. If you look at football outsiders, looking at their DVOA or or their DYAR metric, they had him ranked 16th. In DVOA, he ranked 21st. In DYAR, he's sandwiched between Derek Carr and Andy Dalton. In DVOA, he's between Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones. And again, Daniel Jones, is I mean, he's a quarterback. He does stuff. Kyler Murray's a guy. He can do things. He wins some games. But this is, I think, the larger point people are making is it's not that Daniel Jones is pure trash. It's not that he's the worst quarterback in history, but he's not great. He's one of those guys you look at and go, I don't know. Same with Carr. You know, it's you look at him and you go, he's not bad. I don't know if you're going to like win a champion. I mean, you can win a championship with him, but he's not really going to do a ton to get you there. He's more of a like, I don't know, high-end game manager, low-end, like, good quarterback, I guess. So there's a lot of different metrics that come to a lot of different con- conclusions, but there is a consensus that Rodgers is outside of the top 10 and ranges somewhere between, like, 15th and 25th in terms of what he produced this year. And if you look at last year, Rodgers was second in DYAR. He was number one in DVOA. By the way, 2020, he was better. <laughs> If you look at EPA last year, 2021, Aaron Rodgers was third in uh, EPA. So again, it's, it's, yes, I think the hate gets a little out of control, Jersey Mike. Come on now, <laughs> take it easy. Um, but I mean, come on, man. This is a significant drop-off based on pretty much any and every metric you could possibly find. Again, I've already said it, but if you, just, just from a statistical standpoint, rather than grades and things that compare to other quarterbacks, look at Aaron Rodgers compared to Aaron Rodgers in his on-target passing percentage. Um, this is the worst of any quarterback, including Brett Hundley, in 100 passing attempts in a season in terms of on-target percentage. It's his, lo- it's his lowest. It's anybody's lowest. Brett Hundley had a 80%. He's at 74%. His second worst was 2019 at 76%, just looking at the accuracy thing. So, you know, again, I think the angry reaction isn't that Rodgers was bad. It's that Rodgers was bad and people don't want to acknowledge it. Matt LaFleur doesn't want to talk about it. Aaron Rodgers wants to make excuses. Brian Gutekunst is making excuses. Half the fan base is making excuses. That's where the frustration comes in. Brian, Brian from Illinois. Hey. Carolina this year picks up a quarterback. Yep. Matt Corral gets lost in the sauce. Ooh. Packers throw a pick their way, yes. bring him into the building. What do you think? Ooh, baby. I like that. Because, look, Matt Corral, all you're doing with Matt Corral is you're, you're giving a real low pick, right, for a guy that you think is just going to be your number three. And I've always mocked Packer fans for their love of their third-string quarterbacks and how stupid that is. I'm going to be that guy. And I'll probably be the only one. This will be the one time Packer fans are like, he's not even good. I'm going to be freaking out. And he's going to be awful, and I'm going to defend him no matter what. I'm going to be that guy for Matt Corral. I like it. 
I like where your head's at. I like the way you think. I appreciate that. Hey, Ryan. I was wondering if you might uh, consider doing a year in review for the season of a comparison of our draft class from 2022 and compare each of their cumulative uh, PFF scores to other uh, 2022 draft picks that perhaps finished in the top of the season for like, uh, say, Olave maybe was the top-rated wide receiver that was a rookie, and compare uh, Dobbs' numbers and uh, Watson's numbers to him and just kind of see where they're at and kind of get a uh, proper perspective of uh, how well they performed and uh, see how we did up against everybody else's uh, draft class. So I'm out. Not the easiest thing to do. I think the best way to probably go about that, it's going to be an unscientific thing. Um, I, I do want to kind of do a, a draft thing. Um, it's going to be massively complicated with Excel and everything else, but I'm excited to try it. Um, I want to try to get this draft thing, the 2023 draft figured out before I look backwards, but who knows? If I get bored with one, I'll start on the other one. But let's do this um because you you can't one of the things i wish you could do with pff like one of the things you can do is select defense and you just see all the defense you can't do that with offense you can't i mean you can in some areas but for example if you want to compare to the rest of the league you can't just select offensive players you can select uh passing receiving you know certain categories like that and so what i wish you could do is just do everybody in the NFL and just have a giant list and then I can select the draft year and then we could compare that way. But I can't do that. But something I can do is, for example, look at the top teams. So let's start with the top teams. Um, we'll just do a few. So we'll stick with the NFC. We'll look at the Philadelphia Eagles. They got the they're the top dog in the NFC. And then if we look at their draft class, and again, this is all broke up into offense and defense, but that's fine. Offensively, as far as not including their undrafted free agents. Well, I guess you can include them. There were one, two, three, four, five, six additions. Only two of them were draft picks. So they went heavy defense. Um, of the one, two, three, four, six, I said, uh, three of them have played. Only one of them has played significant snaps, and that's Grant Calcitera, the tight end. He was a sixth round pick and has a 61 overall grade. The other one is a second-round pick, Cam Jurgens, played 35 snaps and had a 60 grade. And then undrafted free agent, Britton Covey, had a 57 grade. Um, defensively, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven additions. Three of them were draft picks. Um, much more played on defense. You've got uh, five that played, but only two that played significant snaps. Um of the two that played, Jordan Davis was their first-round pick. He had a 71.4 grade. As I mentioned, our first-round pick, our second first-round pick, Devontae Wyatt, was just slightly before behind that with like a 69.9 grade or something. But there's that. And then Reed Blankenship, who's actually an undrafted free agent um, in 2022, had a 75.8 grade. So they had three out of, what did I say, 13, I think. A lot of them were undrafted free agents, but... Um, Let's say out of their six, no, only five draft picks. Is that real? Maybe, maybe the other ones just didn't take snaps. That's, so that's the other thing is of, of their entire draft class, one, two, three, four, five of them played in any significant amount of 
of time. Um, and that would be a first-round pick, Jordan Davis, who graded out well. Their second-round pick didn't really play very much. Uh, after that would be third-round pick, Nicobe Dean, didn't really play. Um, injury could have played into this. Then sixth-round pick, Kyron Johnson, didn't play very much. Sixth-round pick, Grant Calcaterra, did and was average, and that's, I think, it for the draft class. Look at the Dallas Cowboys, 2022. There's a bunch of them. We'll just focus on the draft picks for the sake of time. Uh, First-round pick, Tyler Smith tackle, has played a ton and has done a great job. Um, 72.3 grade, although 65 pass blocking, 72 run blocking. Third-round pick, Jalen Tolbert, has played not even 100 snaps and has graded out terribly. Jake Ferguson, tight end out of Wisconsin, has played about 460 snaps. Fourth-round pick, 66 grade. Fifth-round pick, Matt Waletsko, has played one snap. Um, If you look at the defense, four draft picks. Second-round pick, Sam Williams, has played 300 snaps, 66 grade, so he's average. Fifth-round pick, Deron Bland, has a 70-grade cornerback. He's done a good job. Um, Fifth-round pick, Damone Clark. 65.5, 65.5, so he's average, but which is completely fine for a uh, um, fifth-round pick, in my estimation. Same with uh, Deron Bland. And then sixth-round pick, Devin Harper, doesn't look like uh, he played any snaps. He was put on IR. Um, so that's it for Dallas. And I think the last team will be the 49ers. Um, offensively, they have one, two, three, four, five draft picks on offense. Um, two of them have played some significant snaps, so... Two third-round picks, Danny Gray and something-something uh, Price. Wide receiver, running back, haven't really contributed much and both have really bad grades. Fourth-round pick, Spencer Burford, tackle, UTSA. He's played a ton. He has a 51 grade, so he's been really bad. Uh, Nick Zakelge, something, out of Fordham. Home of a great quarterback, apparently. Um, he's played 12 snaps and graded out poorly. And then finally, seventh-round pick, uh, 445 snaps, Brock Purdy, we've seen how he's done. So aside from Brock Purdy, nothing great has come from the draft class as far as offense. Defense, they have three more picks. They have second-round pick, Drake Jackson, edge rusher, 315 snaps, 64 grade. Sam Womack, five snaps, or excuse me, five. Fifth-round pick, 164 snaps, 69 grade. Sixth-round, Kalia Davis has not done anything. So Brock Purdy is massive obviously, to get a seventh-round quarterback who's able to contribute. Not a ton else has been going on. I think the best thing is maybe second-round pick, Drake Jackson, who's been average, which is fine to start off as a rookie with a 64. It's pretty pretty normal grade. Not much else. Uh, and then you compare that to Green Bay. Green Bay has, we'll just do it the same way. In 2022, there are a massive amount of picks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight picks just for offense. Um, Second round pick, Christian Watson, 77 overall grade, 507 snaps. Third round pick, Sean Ryan, has not played. Fourth round pick, Zach Tom, 400 snaps, 68 grade. Fourth round pick, Romeo Dobbs, 521 snaps, 62 grade. Uh, Sixth round pick, uh, Luke Tenuta, 
only played seven snaps, but is a 71 grade. And then what is why, why does that say six-round pick? He's not a six-round pick. Or maybe he was, and we just picked him up. That's weird. We didn't draft him, but okay. That's <laughs> super random. And then we've got the three seventh-round picks. Rashid has not played. Samore has played 112 snaps and has a 49 grade. And then Bo Melton, seventh-round pick again, not by us, but hasn't played. Defensively, uh, what the heck is... That's hilarious. We got uh, Tyrell Ford here, 2023. Yeah, dig into that a little bit. I'm sure everybody else already has. I just, I have not. Anyways, um, why? Oh, I clicked the wrong thing. 2022. There we go. One, two, three, four, five picks. Um, we have Quay Walker played 846 snaps, but as a 51 grade, which is bad. Uh, Devontae Wyatt as a first round pick with a basically a 70 grade. Then we have to go all the way to the fifth round with Kingsley, 61.4. And then the two seventh round picks, Tariq Carpenter, uh, 17 snaps, 63. And then uh, Jonathan Ford has not played. So, I mean, I don't know exactly what we're looking for, but it's hard to say the Packers have done a bad job. First of all, the sheer quantity of additions is massive. Um, I think Christian Watson's probably the best of the entire group that I've read in terms of everybody's grades as as rookies. Um, as far as mid-round guys, you got guys like Zach Tom pushing a 70 grade. Uh, you got Devontae Wyatt sitting at a 70. Obviously, he's not a mid-round, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it certainly isn't the case that everybody else has got a, a rookie class that's crushing it except the Packers. That's definitely not happening. Hopefully that kind of got you what you were looking for, I guess. Um all right, we'll do we'll do one more here before we take a break. Hey Ryan, it's Brian from Illinois. Hey. After listening to today's podcast about the uh interviews with LaFleur and Rogers, I think LaFleur Brady chesting it. Okay. With convincing Rogers, listen, our receivers are garbage. You have nothing to prove. You've done it. <laughs> if you want to come back, you can, but you're going to come back to this team that uh, is falling apart. Oh. Now, don't worry about Watson killing it this year. He he really wasn't. No. Just Rodgers, you have nothing to prove because you're the best to ever do it. And coming back to this team, you're going to fall apart. Just hang them up, and we'll, we'll put your name on the uh, ring of honor. That's it. Later. There you go. Makes sense to me from a conspiratorial sense. I like that. It's uh look, man, this team, I don't know what to tell you, man. I mean, you're you're the man. And we want you back. A hundred ten percent. We need you back. We're screwed without you, to be completely honest. But I gotta be real with you, and you already know this. Offensive line sucks. The wide receivers suck. I suck. I mean, you wanna come play for me again? I am the worst coach that has ever been. And the rest of these guys, these coaches, I mean, I hired them. Because they're my friends, but they suck, dude. They're trash, and you know it. Aside from the quarterback coach that you handpicked, he's great. But you and him, you're the only good things about this team. Why would you come back? Let's be honest. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I can get behind that. Uh, all right, why don't we uh, take a quick break? Uh, Patreon.com forward slash back underscore daddy if you want to support the podcast. Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry.org. If you want to check them out, that would be greatly appreciated. Have a good one, and we'll be... Have a good one. I'm saying goodbye to you. What the heck was that? 
I think Netflix is trying to play a movie right now. Take it easy, Netflix. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Yes, sometimes I watch Netflix when I do uh, stuff. When I was editing the uh, Jersey Mike rant, I was watching the end of this horror movie that I was watching. What was it called? Yeah, this is this is Netflix making that noise, by the way. Cabinets of Curiosities. Anyways, let me uh, pause that. It's called The Wretched I was watching. It wasn't bad. Most of the time I watch horror movies, and it's like, this is stupid. I watched The Wretched, and then before that, I watched The Ritual. The Ritual wasn't bad either. Um, kind of lame. I mean, they're, they're actually very similar. There's like these uh, wooden statues of, like, well, in one it's like a demon, and the other one is a is a witch, but you're like worshiping this thing. But uh, the ritual, the only problem I had with that is this demon was basically like a giant moose out in uh, Sweden. At least that's the physical form it took, which was kind of lame, in my opinion. But no, they were pretty good. They were pretty good. I've seen some garbage horror movies, and those two were not bad. Also, funny story. It was me and the little one last night, and the rest of the family was out, and it was getting late. That's why this, you know, the show got all screwed up. Didn't get out on time. It's all their fault. But anyways, my wife, I text my wife, like, are you coming sometime tonight? I don't like to go to bed, whatever. She's like, yeah, yeah, coming. And so we're hanging out. I'm not watching horror movies with my little one. I'm just saying, I when, she was napping when I was watching the horror movies. And then she woke up and we turned on something else I wanted to watch that wasn't horror. Look, I'm just tired of watching kids shows, right? Anyways, I'm seeing like shadows coming through the, I, I can't really quite see around the corner to where the door is, but I'm seeing shadows on the wall. Remember, I just watched back-to-back horror movies. I'm fine. I'm not freaked out or whatever, but I, I see the shadows on the wall. I'm like, oh, I think somebody's here. And so my daughter walks over to the window and I said, is somebody there? She said, yeah. I said, who is it? She said, mama's peeking. I was like, oh, mama's peeking in the window. That's weird. Nobody came in the door. I said, friendly, was somebody there? She said, yeah. I said, who is it? She says, mama, she's peeking. So I waited another minute. Nobody came in. I got up and walked over to the window. Nobody's there. And I can kind of see just well enough to see there's no car in the driveway. And so now I'm thinking, who the heck was just peeking in my window and my daughter staring at saying, mama's peeking. Now I'm having a freaking panic attack. Like, dude, you just watch horror movies. Don't start going crazy. But apparently there's some lady just like peeking in your window, waving at your kid and stuff. No big deal. Like you don't need to like go crazy or whatever, but something's up. And then I start seeing it again. Like the the shadows where I launched out out of there. I'm like, I'm going to go see who's standing in my freaking window and handle business. And we have a wreath and the wind picked up, and the wreath starts blowing, and there's, like, ribbons on the wreath, and so that started flapping, and it's causing shadows and everything from the light reflecting back into the house. Yeah. So anyways, that was fun. 
What you got going on, Seth? Hey, Ryan. Uh, I was just calling in to talk a little bit about uh, the the team and the season, and, sure. and maybe Dobbs a little bit. You know, yeah. I think one of the most frustrating things to me is, um, you know, if we looked at two of our most talented people in general, you know, no no one will argue that Aaron Rodgers, in the past at least, you know, is one of the best, if not the best thrower of the football of all time. Yep. Um, you know, back-to-back MVPs. He's shown he can do it in the floor system. And then, you know, LaFleur is supposed, you know, so Rodgers is up there. And then I think LaFleur might be, you know, the second most or even first most, you know, talented, at least prior to this season, I would have said, on the team with his with his offensive genius, his scheme smarts, you know, the way he the teams responded in the last, you know, the first, what, two, what is it, three years, you know, he's been here, you know, going 13 and three or maybe it's two years. Um, but so I just, I don't understand how the offense fell off so bad. You know, is it, was it Rogers thumb? Did Rogers fall off the cliff that bad and the floor, you know, you talked about some podcasts, but just won't blame him, you know, I, I don't know, or maybe LaFleur wasn't as smart as I thought. Maybe Devontae Adams just made everything so easy in the past. You know, I can't, I can't, uh, can't get my head around that Devontae makes that much of a difference, especially with the way Christian broke out. And I mean, just from a scheme perspective, one player, while you might have a drop off, you should be able to still scheme people open. And, and I guess, you know, I'm saying, I'm just, thinking out loud here, but I guess we did see people open all year and Rogers just wasn't seeing them, wasn't hitting them, whatever. So I don't know. I just, I'm so puzzled. I would have not thought we, after the season, we'd be having this conversation about our offense. So that really sucks. Um, also the, the Dobbs slander, not by you, but by people on Twitter has got to stop. I mean, he was, he was a dude at the beginning of the season. He didn't really fall off until after he had a bad injury. And, you know, we don't know if he came back 100% or not. And, you know, he's got amazing hands. I'd call Watson 1A, Dobbs 1B. Um, I think we forget how good he looked early in the year before he got hurt. And, uh, you know, if, if you look at their skill sets in comparison, you know, Christians is very dependent upon athleticism. So, you know, in terms of a long-term career, Dobbs might even have a better career, you know, if injuries or anything creep up, you know, Dobbs skill set is better, you know, set to withstand some of those things. Um, and also just drives me crazy. You talked about this still on the podcast, but he did not drop that ball in the last game. He couldn't even see it. He was behind the defender and I still was a horrible throw. You got to throw that ball up in the air so your wide receiver can see the thing. But uh... Call back. Hey, it's Seth again. Hey. I just had one more thing. Um, what in the heck happened to Juwan Winfrey? I, uh, I mean, I know he's not Dobbs or Watson, you know, he's down at the tour eight player level, but he, he looked good in camp. I actually thought he looked good last year. We were just deeper at the position. And, uh, I feel like he had like one or two drops in one game and they were like, Hey, that's it. You're never going to see in the field again. Um, but I actually, I really like him as a player. I'd love to see him get another chance. But is he even on the team anymore? I thought I saw he was on the practice squad, but then when our practice squad findings were announced the other day to the roster to hold them, you know, Danny Etling and all those guys, he wasn't on there. So I don't know if they're just moving on from him or what, but uh, maybe you can uh, help answer that one for me. All right. Bye.
So yeah, I don't believe Winfrey is on the team as of right now. Uh, we had all the guys that signed their future contracts, and, and I probably should spend some time, maybe we'll do that tomorrow, looking at who those guys are. Um, but they include uh, Benji Franklin, Tyrell Ford, Tyler Goodson, Keandre Thomas, Nick Gugamos, Gene DeLance, Danny Etling, Austin Allen, Chris Slayton, Jeff Cotton, Ladarius Hamilton, James Wiggins, and Parker White, kicker. That's it. Otherwise, it's the guys that we have on our uh, actual roster, which as far as wide receivers go, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Alan Lazard, Bo Melton, Samori Ture, and Randall Cobb. That's what I believe we have at wide receiver, which would mean no Jawan Winfrey. The only wide receiver on the reserves list that's in addition to the guys uh, that I said was Jeff Cotton. So, I mean, you know, Winfrey is like a lot of guys. They they come and go. Um, they're sort of the practice squad guys. Um, they bring them up when they need them, and then as soon as they don't, they go bye-bye. Um, I like Juwan, too. He's never really graded out very well, but in terms of just a, a dude that does some stuff sometimes, yeah, he's, he's fine. Um, I was I was... It was interesting as you were talking, you're talking about Romeo Dobbs and whatnot. I was watching, uh, or not watching, so many tabs, I can't find it. Oh, it's uh, Google Chrome, that's why. But I thought it was funny because I was looking at Romeo Dobbs' grade because I sensed a Romeo Dobbs question coming up. And I looked at it, and I see these patches where it's like he's really good, and then there's patches where he's really bad. So he started off the season fine as far as his grade is concerned the first three weeks. Then weeks four through seven his grade plummets, which is right in that range where we struggled. New England, the Giants, the Jets, and Washington. Then he bounces back and is good until week 18 where he has his worst game. So it's that the bad patch, and then week 18 where Dobbs fell off. And I'm sitting here going, is he the most important piece of this offense? Is it like when he plays well, we win, and when he doesn't, we lose? Is that kind of a thing? Or I shouldn't even say win or lose. It's just sort of that's an indication of how good our offense is. So I I looked at our wide receivers and I looked at the grades when we're when we won and grades when we lost and Romeo Dobbs is not necessarily I mean, you know, granted most guys get better, but um not necessarily the biggest improvement. Romeo Dobbs was the fourth best receiver when we lost games and the fourth best receiver when we won games. The biggest difference potentially is Christian Watson. So Romeo Dobbs has a 57.8 grade in games in which we lost. He had a 65 grade in games in which we won. Christian Watson, 67.1 overall grade in games we lost, 81.3 in games that we won. So the point is, if you want to win the game, Christian Watson should have a good day. It's not as as obvious looking um, when you look at one to the other, especially considering his best game was against Detroit. But Anyways, I, I did find that interesting, and, and it does make me feel a little bit more confident about Romeo Dobbs. I mean, first of all, again, he's a rookie, and for a rookie to have this many good games, um, I mean, the only reason his, his grade is as low as it is at a 62 is because he had so many bad games. Week 18 against Detroit was bad. Week 7 against Washington, week 6 against the Jets, and then to a slightly lesser extent, week 4 against New England. Um, aside from that, he didn't have a single bad game all year. He had a bunch of average games. Uh, week 1, he was you know, I guess you would call him above average, not quite good. Uh, the other game against Minnesota was good. Buffalo was good. Tampa was good. And then his really, really good games were against Detroit and LA weeks nine and 15. Um, 
And obviously that's not even looking at statistically, right? You got his Tampa Bay game, which was good, but that was that was like his big coming out party, eight targets, eight receptions, 73 yards and a touchdown. Buffalo, five targets, four receptions, 62 yards and a touchdown. So um, for him, honestly, you just have three less games in the 40s, which would make it zero, you know? And you have maybe that one game in the 50s where you have some issues. But aside from that, you got 60s, 70s, and 80s. His grade's going to shoot up in the 70s, no no question, and he's going to be a really quality player. It's just less bad games. And considering he's a rookie, considering he missed time due to injury, considering the constant shuffling going on at wide receiver, we're not really sure what everybody's role is. You know, we one minute we got Sammy Watkins and Christian and Lazard. The next minute we got Dobbs and Watson and, and, and uh, Sammy because Lazard is out. Just all kinds of weird mixing and matching and trying to make things work with the new group of wide receivers and a new offensive line. And then, you know, the quarterback trying to get on page with his guys. And we're going to emphasize, uh, you know, to start the season, Lazard is our guy. And then all of a sudden Romeo Dobbs becomes the guy. And it's like, we got to feature him. And then he gets hurt. And then all of a sudden Christian Watson's the guy. And then, you know, it's just, it's it, kind of a mess in terms of cohesion. So I want to pump the brakes on the general narrative, which is Dobbs is a stud and he proved it. Dobbs proved he can be great. There's too much bad involved, but I think that's more important. If you had to choose between, you know, a guy that had a, let's say it's like even a 70 grade, but that's based on like two really good games and a bunch of mediocre to bad games. I don't like that. I don't like when guys have like a 92 and then one like 75, and then it's like 60s, 40s, and 30s. But the great averages or however they figure that out to like a 70, that sucks to me. When you're mostly just good to great, but have just a handful of bad games, I'll, I'll take that all day. I, I couldn't care less what the final grade is. I think that's a good season and a great start, especially production-wise, to have nearly 500 yards and three touchdowns um, being the number, I don't know what, receiver for most of the year on top of this heavy rotation with all these different guys on top of injuries, on top of all the stuff going on. Um, that's That's pretty solid in my book. Has to be better. He's not a star yet. Neither is Christian, to be honest. But... Um, I like what we've seen so far, especially considering I mean, he's a fourth-round pick, man. you got to assume that he fell to the fourth for some reason. There's some stuff that needs to be worked out and, and uh, you know, tweaked. All right, I think I'm going to stop in terms of going backwards. So there's a couple calls that I didn't get to, and um, I apologize, Nate, Omar, Nico. Um, I know you guys had a couple calls, but that was all of the calls from last Friday. And I don't want to go back to Thursday and Wednesday and whatnot because we're getting a little bit too close to the game and um, want to kind of change directions a little bit. So now we're going to go back to the newest calls. This one is uh, from Tuesday. Trevor's in the house. What's up, Trevor? Hey, Ryan. Uh, trying to keep some off-season content going for you here. Thank uh, you. I saw the, the the city of Chicago proposed a $2.2 billion renovation on Soldier Field. They're trying yep. everything they can now to keep the Bears in town. Um, and I saw the renderings of it, and it's a dome, and I don't know. Some people probably like domes. I don't know how you feel about it. I just seems like more and more, you know, Minnesota did it. Yeah. Every team eventually when they're building these new billion dollar stadiums, they're going to domes or you know maybe some type of retractable roof. But it didn't even really look like that. Um, and I just I don't personally like it. I like that you know you have some teams that play out in the helmet. Uh, you know, just, that's part of the football. I feel like is. Yeah that and i get that there's some dome teams but i don't know it seems like more and more going to the dome and i just hope i hope every team doesn't end up doing that but uh 
curious to see if Chicago takes it or not. Not that it has any real football implications other than where, you know, they're playing and all. But um, I guess it does have some football implications if they do end up doing a dome. But I'm, I'm guessing if that's the proposal, even if they move outside of Chicago, it'll probably be a dome too. So, but, uh, yeah, just interested to see what you think about dome versus no dome. Go back, go. So I'm actually kind of torn on it. Um, I, I used to be much more, and by used to be, I mean like, you know, probably a month ago, um, more anti-dome, especially for rough weather teams. When you look at, I went back and looked at how Green Bay performs outside um, in the cold and all that. And and it's, I know everybody's going to point to, well, what happened in the playoffs? Whatever. I get it. I understand. But if you go back 10 years, 12, 15 years, whatever, the Packers do a very good job when it's at home in the elements. The Chicago Bears actually do too. Like they're they're a really, really good team when it's a game in Chicago. And this is a team that doesn't win a lot of games, but you look at their record in Chicago in the elements in the cold, they're really good. And they they win a lot more than what their their record is normally. Um so from that standpoint, yeah, there there is an element of like this is this is our house, these are our elements, you're coming up from your cushy dome, this, that, or the other. And I think it is a benefit. Um but I think there are some benefits to domes as well. The biggest one being noise. Um, that's such an unbelievably big benefit. And, and, and I know like the historic nature of Lambeau, it, it's sacrilege to even think about putting a dome over it, and I get that. But at the same time, Lambeau isn't what Lambeau used to be. First of all, Lambeau didn't even used to be in the same location, and you know the things have moved around. Things change. The stadium is different. You look at from way back in the day what Lambeau looked like. It was like bleacher seats. I mean, it still is, but I mean, it's it's like a high school thing. You know, it it, it didn't go up very high. Now we've got this giant, massive, uh, not dome, but it's just a, a, a big, growing monstrosity of a, of a stadium. It's still beautiful and kind of historic and all that, but I mean, if you slap a roof on it, is it that much different than the renovations we made last time? Other than changing categories from an outdoor thing. And yeah, you, you, you've got the whole ice bowl. You got this, you got that. I, I know that that's a, a, a thing that you should never touch. Like, like you can't change the name. You can't do this. You can't do that. Um, I'm a little bit more open to it than I have been in the past if, if we thought that it was the right thing to do, especially from a noise standpoint, because I think that's such a massive benefit. But also, I, I also think outside can be a negative. I, I personally get really nervous when, for example, let's say it's a uh, September game and the Packers are clear favorites. They're a really good football team and a bad team's coming up, but it's just terrible weather. Terrible weather to me just kind of neutralizes things. It, it sort of evens everything out. Because now, you know, it's hard to be a high-flying anything. It's hard to be a really good running team or a really good passing team or really, because the ball's slippery and people are sliding all over the place. And so your, your ability to cut, your ability to have a lot of speed, your ability to throw the ball, your ability to do all these things is minimized. And so superstars aren't really superstars. It's a bunch of slip and slide and fumble and bumble and idiots. And now all of a sudden you go from being clear favorites to, I don't know, man, it's kind of crappy out and, you know, one slip of the ball fumble goes in their direction and it could go the other way too. But the point is, it's just, it makes it more random as opposed to just being, if you're the better team, you're going to win. And I think a dome kind of accentuates that a bit. The better team's going to win as opposed to 
you know, the the luckier team, the team that makes the less mistakes, the one that slips less. I mean, talk to Minnesota about it. Those bunch of idiots don't know how to put the right shoes on. Um, you go slipping around, you're going to have a hard time playing football. The team that slipped less won. Now, that's not the only factor, but it was a part of it. They weren't prepared to play in the elements. If they were prepared and we weren't, who knows? So from the Bears, plus I just, I really like the new stadiums. They're so slick, you know what I mean? And they become like these big attractions. Everybody got mad at me because I was talking about how I thought the the stadium actually looked really cool. That was proposed, not the Chicago one, but the other one. I thought it was cool, man. I, I like the new stadiums. I think they're super awesome. They're, they they become like events in and of themselves. And I know for some people it's, you know, the historic nature of some of them makes it worth going anyways. I don't know, man. I'm kind of a... I mean, it it is, but it, it's it's still different. And it still can be historic. I mean, if it moved locations, it's a new building, new location. The, the, his, the historicity is kind of gone, I guess, but... I just, I thought it was cool. And I, I like the upgraded, like amazing, futuristic looking palatial spaceship stadiums that are getting built. I don't know. I just, I just like it, man. I think it's cool. It makes it an attraction, you know, some of the stuff, especially because it's soldier, soldier field that they were doing for uh, soldiers and veterans and things like that, that they were going to have dedicated to that stadium. I thought was really cool. So, um, you know, I mean, the, the bottom line is there are drawbacks to to being the outdoor stadium, and I think we should stay that way, but it, it does kind of suck to kind of have that some of those disadvantages. But there are advantage, advantages that come with it, and I like it. And um, as far as I'm concerned, it, it'll be kind of cool if Chicago does dome up um, because now there's just, you know, Minnesota's all domed up, Chicago's all domed up. Now suddenly there's there's really not very many very harsh weather outdoor teams anymore especially since it's played in the fall and winter, you know, you've got some harsh weather teams in Florida that aren't domes, but it's only harsh weather for like the first month. After that, it's kind of tame. You know, ooh, it's in the 70s. It's warm. Okay. It's one thing to to go from 70 to 104 and humid. It's another thing to go from like, I don't know, 40s to 70. It's going to be less about, dude, this heat sucks and more of this is awesome. I'm so happy to feel sun again on my body is amazing. So I don't know. I, I I guess I'm torn on it. For the Chicago Bears in particular, I, I could see why outdoor would be great, but I also think it'd be cool to to have that new you know, all the new stadiums that get built, they're all the next great thing. And it, you don't have to have a dome to be the next great thing. You could still make a fantastic non dome stadium. But um those domes are intimidating, man. It's another aspect. I mean, you know, aside from the snow itself being intimidating, the the noise and everything else. You know what you don't get, though? You don't really get fireworks. They might have pyrotechnics, but not like full-on fireworks. It's another cool thing about having the outdoor stadium. So, I don't know. I, I guess I lean toward not going with a dome, but there are definitely advantages. And again, the biggest one for me is is the noise. If we could crank up the noise in Lambeau Field, I think that'd be huge. I just wanted to call in and congratulate the Dallas Cowboys on passing Tom Brady in uh, total playoff wins. Dallas now has 36. Tom Brady has 35. It's crazy. Go Cowboys. That's why. And on another note, for the very first time since 2009, the NFL does not have a playoff win for either Brady or Aaron Rodgers. I repeat, too. not since 2009 has there been a year where neither one of those guys have had a playoff win. How times have changed. I'm out. Yeah, no, that's pretty wild, man. And, you know, I mean, the, the, 
the NFL's changing. It always, it, it, we know that it does. It always does. And I think people want that. Now you, you hear about people kind of rolling their eyes with Aaron Rodgers, which is annoying as a Packer fan when the media does that. And they don't do it with Tom Brady, which is kind of annoying. I think everybody else does though. Every non Tom Brady or Tampa Bay fan, every time you hear Tom Brady's name, it's like, oh, shut up with that guy. Jeez. I'm so tired of Tom Brady. It's been so long. Dude, I, how old was I? Was I like 10 years old when Tom Brady went to the Patriots or something? Ten, I'm, what, what am I, 36? Dude. Uh, that's a long time. I'm just, I'm over it, dude. But it's time for the younger generation to step up and take over. Is what it is. All right, let's do one more, and then we're going to get out of here. Hey, what's going on? This Omar the Firefighter. Hey, uh, it's funny because I know you're backed up as I don't know what. <laughs> so Getting caught McAfee, up. I know you're getting a bunch of calls. Um, and I didn't watch Pat McAfee. I just got home off the shift and looked on um, social media and saw his comments. So I'm probably like the 20th caller. But anyway, nobody can say they want Rodgers back on the team anymore after this. He's trying to talk about he only come back if we retain his best friends. Like, two to three of the players he named, Randall Cobb, Lazard, and Tunyon, they didn't even have good seasons. Yeah. And they were on the team already, and we didn't make the playoffs. So how can you say, oh, if they're trying to do a rebuild, I want to go. Those are easy upgrades. You can literally draft players at every one of those to replace. You can yeah. replace Randall Cobb with a rookie, Lazard, and Tunyon. The only person that you can't replace with a rookie is by Batiar. Yep. And we could keep him, but everybody else needs to go. So I feel like he's forcing his hand to get out there. If he wants those players, he can go to the Jets, and they can spend that money to get, you know, those players. And they ain't going to do crap. But in reality, trade him to Miami, trade him to San Fran, trade him to somewhere else and let him be the GM. Because it's some bull crap. Like, I don't want to say no bad word, but the the – the organization will be straight. You know what? You can put any kind of negative word right there if they let this man on the team like that. That is just, I mean, and Jordan Love, if I was Jordan Love, I'd actually be traded off of that. Like, we can, we should have to move on. You cannot be a Packers fan and say you want Aaron Rodgers back. You could be an Aaron Rodgers fan and say that, but you cannot be a Packers fan and say you want Rodgers to come back after he says this. This is like him drawing his foot in the sand or lying in the sand, whatever. Like, we need to go ahead and trade him. We usually get a first-round pick. I, I know a lot of people, hey, we can get multiples. We missed that opportunity. Yeah. But we can get a first-round pick, you know what I'm saying, or two second-round picks for him. And he'd be like, man, in with the Broncos. It's an easy sale. I think Miami, he got weapons. And Miami wouldn't even bring all those players. All those players he won't, they wouldn't get no playing time. <laughs> so... I'm going to go ahead and go, but go back, go, get ready for Jordan Love, and I'm gonna be, I think I'm going to be super pissed if they do what he asks. Right. I, 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 I don't want to, I'm not going to say I want to be a Packers fan, but it's hard because I'm not, you can't put the quarterback over the team. And if they do that, they soft as hell. So, all right, go back, go. Yeah, and this is where, for me, it just, it falls on the team, you know? If you're Gutekunst, if you're Matt LaFleur or whatever, Gutekunst in particular, do what's right. And um, if Rodgers is willing to accept that, you know, in other words, first of all, Rodgers doesn't get to play GM. He doesn't get to pick 
uh, Randall Cobb. He doesn't get to pick any of these guys. Do what's right, and what's right is to let them go. Randall Cobb, Robert Tunyon, uh, Lazard. I mean, they're not really contributing all that much, and including in blocking. I know everyone's all hyped up about Lazard. Very similar to a lot of guys. He was good a while ago. He had a bad year, and nobody acknowledges it because nobody actually really pays attention. And there's a couple highlights of him obviously having good blocks because everybody does that. It's like, oh, see this guy. This is the guy here. You'll see that. And I always see that on the broadcast, and I'm like, see, everybody's going to call me a liar because they highlighted that really good block, and it was. But that's one play out of like 17, 18, 20 blocks he has in a game. Um, and he, I mean, he was like the lowest. I think he was the lowest graded run blocker on the entire team. Um, so he doesn't really add anything. And so, yeah, you, you, you don't let him play GM, which is the right thing to do. You're the GM, so you be the GM. You make the right calls. You let these guys go. I mean, unless you really believe that, whatever. But the point is, you make the decision, and then it's up to Aaron Rodgers. Right? If it's, if it's about coming back and winning championships, and uh, you trust that the team is on that path, then great. We're doing everything we can to put together the best possible team. And that means Randall's got to go and these guys got to go. And um, it's up to you now. If that is that big of a deal to you, then I guess, sorry. You know, if, if you're going to be mad, that's fine. But, but here's the thing. If you want to come back and play for the Green Bay Packers, I don't want an attitude. I don't want to hear making sideways comments about, you know, like with uh, Kumaro about how I went on Pat McAfee and said I wanted these guys, and then Gutekunst cut him, and so now I got an attitude because he's, I think he's being spiteful rather than just doing his job. You can come back, but you're coming back as a team member. We are on the same team. Not, you know, I'm going to come back because I want to, but I'm pissed that you cut all my friends and blah, blah, blah. Nope. You're going to come back in full agreement. You're going to sign off on all this stuff, that you're okay with this team being the team, that these are your teammates, everybody that is here is your teammate, everybody that is not is not, they can be your friend, but they're not your teammate anymore, and that you are planning on winning with the guys that you have, and you are content with everything that's going on, and you're ready to go rock and roll. If you're not, then let's, let's just, let's really pause and see if this is a good idea for everybody. But it's win-win, right? Because like you said, if, if, if he's not going to be okay with that, he shouldn't be on the team. I agree. So cut those guys and then let Rodgers make his own decision. If he's ready to come back, then I guess he's okay with it, and then we got no problem. If he's not okay with it, then just meant to be, I guess. Have a good retirement, or we can work out a trade or whatever. I don't know what the compensation would be. That is the one thing that I think is interesting, because I'm pretty torn on it. If, if I'm a team, I don't really want – I don't think I want – I mean, I'd want to have a conversation with Rodgers, but um, I would I would be interested to see what the contract looks like. Because obviously the Packers bear a lot of the weight. And so they're only getting part of the contract that they're going to have to pay, only parts of the guarantees. It's probably a much easier contract to work with. Um, but there's probably still some things that are that are tough. But then on top of that, like, you know, is this just, I, mean, you, 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 I think you have to just pay him for one year. In other words, you, you pay the full compensation that it's going to cost based on what you think Rodgers is worth for just one year. And I just, you know, especially with a, a hefty contract, again, I don't know what it is, but it's going to be, what is he worth for one year minus what I'm paying in his contract, what's left over? I just, I don't, I don't think I want that if I'm a team. I'm trying to think if I go through the teams, what team would that make the most sense for? 
you know, maybe a team like the 49ers, they look at it and say, I think we could win with Rodgers. And then we let him go after a year and that's it. And we lose a draft pick, but whatever. If it costs us, you know, that's fine. But I, I, I really genuinely believe, you have to genuinely believe that you're trading these comp, this compensation for a Super Bowl. Somebody had mentioned the Ravens. I think it was Nico. I don't know if that was on here or on Twitter or what, but uh, somebody mentioned the Ravens. Maybe if you believe in your defense, and, and although you know the problem is you don't have a ton of weapons, just like with the Packers. I don't know if Rodgers would like that, but you know, respected organization. You're kind of knocking at the door. The the biggest question mark is always quarterback. You know, Lamar's up and down, and then he's hurt, and Tyler Huntley comes in, and so you're always in the playoffs. But it's like we're not super contenders because of all that. Um, with the Saints, I don't. I mean, they don't have any money. But they're a team with a really solid defense and some pieces where if we had a quarterback, maybe we could make a run. But again, I don't think they could afford him. From the Raiders, I don't want to go that route. Aside from aside from the fact that I think the Raiders are are basically flat broke and want to sell tickets. And having Rodgers and Devontae there, I think you're gonna sell a bunch of tickets. So maybe, you know, and, and again, if you if you have a heavy-handed owner that's like, dude, I want to make money, maybe they would do it for that reason. Because ultimately that's the bottom line. The most important thing is making money, and generally you do that by winning football games. And granted, we're going to win more football games with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae here, but in the long term, we're kind of screwed. But hey, in the meantime, we can maybe build up our fan base, we can get more people in here, get some money in our pocket, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not a prudent decision by any stretch of the imagination whatsoever, because there's no way they're winning a Super Bowl. I don't think the Patriots, if they're even ready and able to move on from Mac, Giants, maybe, I don't know. Rodgers would probably be interested with working with Dayball if they did decide to move on from their quarterback. You know, they they've got the defense kind of tuned up. Offense has definitely got some pieces. The Jets, you know, again, kind of a 49ers team. Definitely got some pieces aside from quarterback. I mean, I tell you what, you put Rodgers with the Jets. Mm, it's a heck of an upgrade for that team, I'll tell you that. Again, it's short term, so I don't know what the the long-term point of that would be unless it's just we suck and we want to give something back to the city and finally get something. Let's just go get him. Let's just do it. See if we can talk him into a second year after this year. But if we can make a deep playoff push with Rodgers, that would definitely excite some things. Although I, I do wonder how much Rodgers would think about the implication of him doing exactly what Brett Favre did and being like, dude, I just, I just can't. I mean, it's not a bad fit or anything. I just, how could I possibly do that? Because then I'm going to end up somehow going to Minnesota. I just know it. I don't know how that's going to happen, but it's going to happen. Again, 49ers maybe. Seattle even is is a potential. I, I don't like the Seattle Seahawks as as a team. I don't like their, you know, as far as the the quality of it. But you know, I mean, the offensive line sucks. Rogers is going to have some problems, but they've got the weapons, DK and Lockett. That's probably it. So I mean, th- there there are options, I guess, out there where you could possibly see a place that makes sense. And, and, and if there are a lot of teams that are at least willing to entertain, that drives up the price. You know, if you start off and be like, I don't think I want anything more than a second. Well, somebody's going to offer a second second, a second and a third, second, two seconds. Maybe it gets bumped up to a first. I don't know. But I, I agree. It's not going to be multiple first round picks. If we get that for Rodgers, let me, let me put it this way. If somebody offered that and, and Gutekunst isn't doing everything in his power to be like, Rodgers, look, man, um, please. Please, <laughs> please let me trade you. I, I don't know. If we get two first-round picks for that guy, there's no way. Is there any way? There's no way. Tell you what, I'm going to dig into this a little bit, and I think on um, tomorrow's podcast, it's another thing we'll look at is trade compensation for Rodgers. It's going to make everybody mad because 
I don't know. People get mad about stuff. I don't care. I find it interesting, so we're going to talk about it. But I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.